This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. And welcome to the Hockey Hotbed Podcast, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and we have a very fun show for you today. Obviously, the biggest news of the week up to this point is the Jack Eichel news traded to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. We'll talk about that in just a few moments, but later in the show, we are going to talk a little bit about Cole Caulfield and his demotion to the AHL. We're going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Are they starting to surge? And of course, because it is a Friday episode, we're going to finish it all off with my three stars of the week across the National Hockey League. But we get it all started right now with Jack Eichel. This story has been going on longer, it almost seems longer than COVID, which is not the case. But it certainly seems that way, doesn't it? I mean, it has felt like ages since we've seen Jack Eichel play. And it's been a long time coming for him to get out of Buffalo and now hopefully get the surgery that he needs to make his return to the National Hockey League. Thursday morning, this trade was broken by both Darren Drager and Elliot Friedman. I don't know who had it first, but I saw it from both of them at around 7.30 in the morning on Thursday. The full deal is as follows. To the Vegas Golden Knights, obviously Jack Eichel and his $10 million cap hit. We'll get into that in a couple minutes. So they get Eichel and they also get a 2023 conditional third round pick. In exchange, the Buffalo Sabres receive Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a 2022 first-round pick, and a 2023 second-round pick. Now, first reaction is you look at this, and it does not seem like enough for a generational talent like Jack Eichel. But there are a couple factors that come into play here when you look at the return that Buffalo was able to get. First and foremost, they wanted more for Jack Eichel. They wanted, if I remember correctly, the starting price included two first-round picks, and they only received one. But there is obviously a stark difference between what they wanted for Jack Eichel and what teams were offering for Jack Eichel. Because at the end of the day, you're trading for a player, although transcendent, when he's healthy. You're trading for a player that needs a disc replacement surgery. And you're trading for a player that also has a $10 million cap hit. And also, thirdly, does not want to be in Buffalo. Is not going to play for Buffalo. So the leverage is not really with the Buffalo Sabres. The leverage was for the market. And that's why you see what this return is. It's not 
an awful return. It's it's not like trading a Vesna goaltender for a random AHL player. Alex Tuck has been a solid contributor for the Vegas Golden Knights since he was acquired by them from Minnesota in their first year. Three of the four years that he played there, he scored over 10 goals. The only year that he didn't was two seasons ago in 2019-20, where he only played, I believe, 40-some games, and he scored eight goals. But overall, he has been a pretty consistent playmaker for the Vegas Golden Knights. Peyton Krebs, obviously a young prospect that the Golden Knights had very high expectations for. So far, he hasn't really met them. He's played in nine NHL games this year, hasn't scored a point. But once again, probably better opportunity in in Buffalo, change of scenery. Who knows what that becomes? He still has the intangibles. He still has the talent. Obviously, Buffalo was at least going to get a first-round pick. I mean, (laughs) with all those things I already said, that's the reason that this price went down, it is still Jack Eichel. And he is still, at some point this season, we would expect, going to be able to play and play at a pretty advanced level. So yeah, first-round pick and a second-round pick in 2023. But Vegas also being able to recoup a third-round pick is pretty impressive. So the deal is done. The saga is pretty much over. I mean, the saga of Jack Eichel in Buffalo is over. We don't have to have that anymore. Now it's a matter of Jack Eichel getting the surgery scheduled and Jack Eichel getting the surgery done. And then the recovery process. And you hope that's the end of this. You hope he comes back, that's the end of this conversation. And we just get to watch Jack Eichel play for the Vegas Golden Knights, which... At full strength, the Vegas Golden Knights now, I think that, I mean, this team went to the Western Conference Finals three of the first four years of their existence. This trade makes them even more of a contender. But let's look, before we talk about their contender status, let's look at what is next for Jack Eichel now. He still needs, like I said, to schedule and get the surgery. And from all intents and purposes, we've heard that the Vegas Golden Knights are willing to let him do the surgery that he wants. As opposed to when Buffalo wanted him to get the disc fusion. So it seems as if he's going to get the artificial disc replacement surgery. Now, back at the end of July, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, interviewed Dr. Chad Prusmack who is the doctor that was the second opinion for Jack Eichel, which is the reason he wants to do this artificial disc replacement and is possibly the doctor that will perform this surgery on Jack Eichel. It was interesting to listen to it back then and hear about both sides of the story there from that side. But now I went back and listened to it to get an understanding of what the surgery is going to be, what the timetable is going to be, and when we could possibly see... Jack Eichel lace him up for the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, if you go back and listen to it, and I do suggest you do, it's the July 31st edition of 32 Thoughts, the podcast. In a couple different instances, he mentioned the fact that six weeks is a really big number that he mentioned a couple times. Six weeks would be how long it would potentially take from the surgery date for him to be cleared to play. At the very least, be cleared with his neck. 
At that point, the replacement would have successfully merged into his spine and he would be able to start taking contact at that point. So obviously, the first time you're taking contact is not going to be the first time you step back on the ice. So I would say probably roughly from the time he gets his surgery, we're looking at about six to 10 weeks potentially from that point to when Jack Eichel can play. So that right now places a potential Eichel debut date for the Vegas Golden Knights around early to mid-January. Again, that is really pushing it. So you're probably looking at some point in February, which means you might even be waiting through the Olympic break in February. But regardless, as long as he gets this surgery within the next two weeks, which now that he's with Vegas, we would fully expect him to go get that surgery because Vegas probably would like him to play for them this season. But if he goes and gets this surgery in the next roughly two weeks, he should be able to play for Vegas down the stretch run in the push for the playoffs. And more importantly, he should be able to play for them in the Stanley Cup playoffs this season. Clearly, they haven't had the best of starts, but that's mainly due to injuries. We fully expect that once they're able to get healthy, this team is going to be a playoff team in the Pacific Division. I highly doubt Vegas is going to miss the playoffs. So, if they can stay afloat once they get maybe a, a Mark Stone back or a Max Pacioretty back, and then you add Jack Eichel to the fold at around, I mean, let's just say the trade deadline. You basically get him as a trade deadline acquisition. That is huge for a team that is already performed in the postseason. And the biggest knock on them in the postseason is not being able to score at will. Jack Eichel is a player that will help you score at will. He is immediately their number one center. He's immediately their top build star. Even with Mark Stone, who is going to be the captain still. I would not take that away from him, clearly. I think that would be stupid. And even with Max Pacioretty. Even with Alex Petrangelo. This team is now a juggernaut once Jack Eichel returns. Honestly, once all healthy, if all healthy, that is still, you know, still something you have to take into account. Hockey, there's a lot of issues with reoccurring injuries with different players, whether that be Eichel, Stone, Pacioretty, who knows. But if this team gets to all healthy going into the postseason, they're clearly going to be a favorite. They're probably the favorite at that point, at least in the Western Conference. But there's another issue with this acquisition that kind of signifies the fact that something else needs to happen here. There's another shoe that needs to drop. And that's the Vegas Golden Knights salary cap right now. If you look at cap friendly right now, the Vegas Golden Knights currently sit at $91.8 million on their salary cap. In case you're unaware, the salary cap right now is 81.5. So they're over $10 million over the NHL salary cap right now. Of that, of course, they have roughly $29 million on one of the two injured reserves right now. $21.425 million are on the basic IR with Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Nolan Patrick, and Zach Whitecloud. And then they have another $7.716 million on the long-term injured reserve with Max Pacioretty and with Jake Bischoff. But regardless, 
this team, even though Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs accounted for roughly half of Jack Eichel's salary, this team is still egregiously over the salary cap. There is another shoe that needs to drop here. Is there another move coming from Vegas? You would almost expect there to be. And you could also remember, this is after they traded $7 million of Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing in the offseason. They're still $10 million over the cap. The way they've handled their salary cap is not impressive. The roster is, but the way that they've handled the salary cap is, is messy. To be in this type of issue in year five. But I guess that's the deal you sign when you want to be that good right out of the gate. So, General Manager Kelly McCrimmon and President of Hockey Ops George McPhee, they got a lot of work to do. It's nice that they got Eichel. And listen, if we can see all of these players on the ice at the same time, it's it's going to be impressive. Not going to lie, it's going to be very impressive. But... There has to be another move here. There are $10 million over the salary cap. I just, I have no idea what that move is going to be. So definitely keep your eye on Vegas. The story is not over there. As far as Buffalo is concerned, this is, okay, it's good. You closed the book on this era. It needed to happen. They still caught off to a really good start this year. I mean, for what it's worth, their team is competing And winning hockey games early on in the season. Now you add Alex Tuck, who is currently injured, but eventually you will get Alex Tuck. You have Peyton Krebs, who, again, is still a promising prospect. And you add a couple pieces down the road in draft picks. So while it might not be what they wanted in Buffalo, it's still a good return. It's probably, I mean, obviously, it's the best they're going to get. They wouldn't accept it otherwise. It was down to Vegas and Calgary. Clearly, this offer from Vegas was more than Calgary was offering. But at the end of the day, the deed is done. This saga is over. Jack Eichel is a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. It's good good to say. It's going to be fun whenever it happens, but we're still probably like three months away from that. Like I said, around Olympic break, possibly afterwards, he's basically a trade deadline acquisition for them. I'm going to take a quick break here. When I return, we're going to go to Canada. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Cole Caulfield and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll be right back. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner chicken dinner it is that simple if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook 
For details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I still can't believe it's over. It feels like it was never going to end with the Jack Eichel saga. I don't want to keep droning on about it, but it really did for a while there. I feel like it was never going to end. Something I also didn't expect to happen this week. The Montreal Canadiens send Cole Caulfield, one of their top prospects, Back down to the AHL and the Laval Rocket. That happened on Monday. Now, Caulfield has not been very good this year. He, I mean, to put it to put it bluntly, he he's not been good at all this year. He came out like a house of fire last year with his first call up. He was a massive reason that they were successful in the playoffs. But this season, to start, he had one assist in 10 games with the Montreal Canadiens. The team as a whole did not have a good start to the year. If you remember correctly, I believe they were 0-5 or 0-6 or something to start the year before they got their first win. And they're still not fantastic. I mean... They also did deal with a lot of injuries. Obviously, Carey Price had to step away for personal reasons. Shea Weber not being there, potentially never coming back. Those are hard pills to swallow. Losing Phil Deneau, that's it's hard to perform when you lose that much. But the one thing that was supposed to work still was Cole Caulfield. Preseason odds had Caulfield in the top three for the Calder Trophy this year. It was him, his buddy Trevor Zegras. Trying to think of who else was in there preseason, but now you look at it, it's Dawson Mercer in New Jersey, it's Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider in Detroit. That's not Cole Caulfield. And really, it's it's not Trevor Zegras either, but that's a different discussion. So now Caulfield is down in the AHL. The Habs, here's the thing, a lot of people are surprised by this decision by Mark Bargevin and, and the Montreal Canadiens. I don't understand why they're surprised. Yes, we fully expected Cole Caulfield to come out. And I mean, Trevor Zegras, and we talked about it. He set 40 goals for Cole Caulfield this year. That's not going to happen. And I'm sure we'll see Cole Caulfield once again at some point in the year. But to be surprised by this, you just must not have been paying attention. Because Mark Bergevin and the Montreal Canadiens did the same exact thing to Jesperi Kakaniemi a couple years ago. It was either a couple years ago or last year. But they did the same thing. In that instance, if I remember correctly, Kakaniemi did not take it as well as Cole Caulfield is. But Cole Caulfield just seems like a bundle of happiness. But at the same time, people that are surprised about it, we've seen this before. If Mark Bergevin does not see a prospect performing at the NHL level, he's going to send them down because he thinks they need a little bit more seasoning. They need 
Put him back in the oven. He needs cooked a little bit more. Basically all he's saying. Cole Caulfield is going to have a long career in the NHL. This is a minor setback. And realistically, this is a chance for him to work on some things that in the first 10 games he did not do well. That's basically all it is. I mean, obviously it is a big deal because of the stature that Cole Caulfield has at such a young age. It's also a big deal because of how well he performed in the postseason last year. He was, again, one of the main reasons they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. He's an insanely, insanely talented young man. He just has to hone his craft a little bit more. And that's what Mark Bergevin thinks. And again, Bergevin did this to Kakaniemi. Now, is the end result going to be the same where they start benching Kakaniemi randomly? And I mean, sorry, Caulfield randomly? No, it's not. Because I feel like Cole Caulfield is a better hockey player than just Barry Kakaniemi. But this is the way that Mark Bergevin does things. I'm not surprised by this at all. And also, I wouldn't be surprised that if in six weeks, Cole Caulfield is back in the NHL and he never goes back down again. He hasn't played a game for Laval yet. That comes up on Saturday, his first game. Again, wouldn't be surprised if he went out there and put up a couple goals. (laughs) At that level, he is probably... I would say probably the best player in the AHL or one of the best players in the AHL right now. It's not hard to imagine. So obviously we'll keep an eye on Cole Caulfield and how that story develops. But again, six weeks down the road, he'll be back in the NHL and he'll probably be better than ever. Or at least you would hope if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan. Because if not, you might, I don't know. If not, I don't know. It just hasn't been a good start to the season for the Montreal Canadiens. So good luck to Cole Caulfield and Laval. But let me move over to another team that didn't have a good start to the season, but since then has started to turn it around in the past uh, roughly week. This team does face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday night, which was last night if you're listening to this. But unfortunately, I can't record that late, so... But as of right now, as of this recording, which is 11.16 a.m. on Thursday morning, the Toronto Maple Leafs have won three straight games. Are they surging? Hmm. I mean, obviously the three straight games at this point in the season, they definitely surged up the standings. They're second in the Atlantic Division out of nowhere all of a sudden. But what's more important is they're starting to look like the regular season Toronto Maple Leafs were used to. At least have been used to the last four or five seasons. Now, take it with a grain of salt, because one, it is just one week. It's early in the season, so one week can literally be 50% of the sample size, especially when you have players like Matthews who missed the first couple weeks of the season, or the first couple games at least. Let's also look at the games that they did win. They beat the Blackhawks, who have one win on the season. They beat the Red Wings, who have been good this year. But, again, this is not a team we're expecting to be good all year long. This is a team that is rebuilding. They got a lot of young stars. But, again, not a team we're expecting to be challenging for a playoff spot this year. And then they beat the shorthanded Vegas Golden Knights. A Golden Knights team that was on the road in Toronto without Max Pacioretty or Mark Stone or Alex Tuck or Zach Whitecloud or Nolan Patrick or Jack Eichel for that matter. Didn't have him either. 
Now, I don't want to take too much away from the Toronto Maple Leafs because they played well in those three games. I mean, the Vegas game, they won 4 to nothing. It's probably the best Toronto fans have felt since the start of the year. But if you want to know the actual reason I think the Toronto Maple Leafs and their fan base should be excited is because not just are they turning around in the win column, not only are they starting to just put in more goals, play better defense, Soupy's playing well in net, but it's always been on the stars there. It has to be. You're paying them that much money. If the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be contenders, if the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be good at all, it comes down to having their stars play like stars. The main storyline all year long, it wasn't even the fact that Austin Matthews hadn't scored because he's coming off a wrist injury. So people were giving him a little bit of slack there. It was Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner who finished in the top five in NHL scoring last year. Now, I understand he performed. I mean, I don't even know if you can use the word performed. He played like crap in the postseason last year. And he got off to a bad start. I understand that. But it's great to see the fact that this past week he has just been on fire. The Stars are starting to shine. Like I said, Austin Matthews in the last three games played two goals and an assist. Still getting back from that wrist injury. But he's starting to produce. John Tavares. Two goals, three assists in those three games played. You love to see it from your captain. He's a guy that, yes, when we look at the Maple Leafs, we need to see Austin Matthews. We need to see Mitch Marner. We need to see Willie Nylander. But also, John Tavares is the captain of that team. We saw what happened to the Maple Leafs after the Tavares injury last season against the Canadians. So you need him to perform. Okay, two goals, three assists, and three games played. That's good. Mitch Marner, again, the one that I'm looking for right now as a guy that Everybody's saying he needs to just leave the outside noise outside. Sometimes that's hard, especially when you're in that market. I can't even imagine trying to play with the weight of the Toronto Maple Leafs fan base on my shoulders. And listen, I get he's not the top build star there. I get John Tavares is wearing the C, which takes off pressure. I get Austin Matthews is the guy in Toronto, which takes off a little bit of the pressure. But being the third guy in Toronto is like being the first guy in 20 other NHL markets. As far as pressure is concerned. So yeah, it's going to be tough. And yes, I understand. He's getting paid a lot of money to play a game. But it is nice to see him perform the way that he has. Two goals, three assists in those three games played. So an identical stat line to John Tavares in the past three games. The only difference is Mitch Marner has two game-winning goals. The one that he scored against the Vegas Golden Knights was, of course, the first goal of the game. But if you look at the way he scored the goal, that is peak Mitch Marner right there. It's exactly what you want to see if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You want to see him with the confidence in front of the net to stick handle and score a goal in the way that he did. And if you looked at the celebration that he had, it was almost a look of just relief on his face. It's always been... You know, the buds in Toronto, they're, they're the young stars, so they have fun. I mean, their helmet ad is TikTok, for Christ's sake. Lately, we haven't seen Mitch Marner having a lot of fun on the ice, so it was nice to see that. And like I said, they have a really big test coming up 
tonight as I record this against the Tampa Bay Lightning. If they lose that game, I'm not retracting anything I'm saying here. It's a matter of how they play in that game. And even if they have a bad game, the Tampa Bay Lightning are one of the hottest teams in the NHL the past week and a half. They're also the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions. So what I'm looking for in that game, and if you're going back and watching it because it already happened when you're listening to this, what I was looking for in that game is Toronto to compete, is the star players to go head-to-head with the star players of Tampa, and for them to be in that game. I still need to see more from Soupy. I still need to see more from Peter Morazic whenever he's back. I need to see more from that defense too. Morgan Riley just signed an extension that I was not expecting. I was expecting him to play out the season in a contract year. Well, now he signs a big extension. Now he's added to the list of names that are getting paid a lot of money. It's a short list of names with a large percentage of their salary cap. So you, if you have that, those names need to produce because if even two of those names or one or two of those names aren't producing, your team's not going to succeed. That's the gamble you take if you're Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's what they've been riding on the past couple of seasons and it's what they're going to ride or die with the next couple of seasons. So you better hope that Mitch Marner continues to do what he's doing. I love seeing it. You better hope that Austin Matthews turns a corner and starts hitting that stride. You better hope John Tavares plays that way. And you better hope Morgan Riley continues to be the spearheaded leader on defense. It's what you need. It's what you have to have if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm going to finish off this episode and finish off this week of podcasting with the Hockey Hotbed. Three stars of the week. I'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. I had a really good week last week on DraftKings. This week, it's just not been good. Not been good. Just barely missing a lot of my bets. Although, one of the things that I've bet on and have hit consistently all year is the Edmonton Oilers over. That team just just scores goals, and it's not like they keep them out very easily either. (laughs) It's just high-scoring affairs all the way around. But with that, I have my Hockey Hotbed Three Stars of the Week, the third edition. And at this point, looking at this list of three names, still no repeats, which I like. I like a little bit of diversity in my Three Stars of the Week, and so far, so good. So I want to get it started in the Big Apple. Third star of the week, Adam Fox of the New York Rangers. This past week in three games played, he has scored one goal and produced six points for the New York Rangers. This guy has not slowed down at all. He's been just as good, if not better, than he was last year. And he was a Norris Trophy winner. Think about that for a second. How hard is it to win the Norris Trophy at a young age? Extremely. It's extremely hard to get those votes 
when you're in your second season like Adam Fox was. It's even harder when you're going up a guy against a guy like Victor Hedman, who is habitually in the final three and habitually a guy that is usually getting a lot of first place votes. So yeah, it was impressive for Adam Fox last year because he had an impressive season. And guess what? He's right back on the horse. His skating, his offensive ability, and then also his defensive ability. He is complete. He is the complete package. It's amazing that in his rookie year, we were looking at Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, who were both very talented defensemen in their own right. But they are, right now, nowhere near what Adam Fox has produced. I think Adam Fox is clearly better in his own zone. His skating is on par with the two of them. And his offensive ability, I mean, his hockey IQ is out of, out of this world. But the passes that he's been able to make this season have been ridiculous. And we're getting the opportunity to pass to players like Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad and Alexi Lafreniere. Your numbers are going to get inflated because those guys put the puck in the back of the net every time you give them the opportunities that Adam Fox has been giving his teammates. And clearly, Chris Drury and ownership have taken note of that because on Tuesday, they signed the young defenseman to a massive seven-year deal worth $9.5 million per season. A nice extension for the New York Rangers. You don't want to wait any longer because as you can see already this season, his stock is only going to go up. It's not even buying low because the guy is a former now Norris Trophy winner at such a young age. He had such a dominant season last year. And even the year before that, he was a really talented rookie. He was one of the top five in Calder voting. So now in his third season, continuing to progress, continuing to perform at the peak level. The New York Rangers said, you know what? Enough is enough. Let's get this guy signed so we don't have to worry about him potentially being a 10, 10.5, 11.5 million dollar defenseman down the road. They get him at 9.5. It is a pricey contract, but Adam Fox, definitely worth it, in my opinion. You look at some of the defensemen that have signed massive contracts this year, and there have been a lot of them. Charlie McAvoy, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski. Matthias Ekholm got a pretty decent contract. But the guys that I mentioned before, huge deals. Morgan Riley got a deal last week. Pretty big deal. Adam Fox, it's a good signing. That's all I'm going to say. It's a good signing by Chris Drury. This guy is going to lead the New York Rangers defense for a long time. And a team that is looking to compete for a long time, you're going to want to lock in that number one defenseman. They didn't get Jack Eichel, which they were rumored to be a Jack Eichel team or a team that had interest for a long time. They didn't get him. But when you look at the Rangers, okay, that's fine. They still have a really talented team. They have a lot of young prospects, and they're going to be good. They have been good. So my third star of the week, Adam Fox of the New York Rangers. Second star of the week, purely for his on-the-ice performance, but that's Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks. Patrick Kane came off the COVID-19 list on Monday, just in time to play in the game against the Ottawa Senators. And in that first game back from the COVID list, he records a hat-trick in a four-point evening. 
helps the Chicago Blackhawks to their first win of the season, and as of this recording, their only win of the season. And then he continued it with a goal and assist on Wednesday evening. So, a good week for Patrick Kane on the ice. Off the ice, that's a different story. I've talked about it in a couple of episodes, and I'll probably continue to talk about it in future episodes. But on the ice, Patrick Kane, four goals, six points in two games played. Absolutely astounding performance since his return from the COVID list. So, Patrick Kane is my second star of the week. My first star of the week. You know, I was wondering how long it would take for me to put one of the two Oilers in to my top three stars. Three weeks. And realistically, they could have been in each and every week. But Leon Dreisaitl is my number one star of the week for the Edmonton Oilers. Five goals. Eight points in three games played this week. <laughs> uh, both Dreisaitl and McDavid are over two points per game. In this past week, Dreisaitl close to three points per game. He leads the league right now with 20 points in just nine games played. Absolutely ridiculous pace by Leon Dreisaitl. And the thing is, Connor McDavid is right behind him with 19 points in nine games. (laughs) I mean, the team looks really good. The Edmonton Oilers are off to a hot start. The team looks great. You know, Kyler Yamamoto scored the other day. That was nice. Kyle Turris is up there. I completely forgot about Kyle Turris. 100%. But realistically, the reason this team is looking so great is because Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are at least scoring two points a game. Oh, geez. I don't know how that's going to work in the postseason. It hasn't up to this point. But in the regular season, it sure is entertaining to watch. Like I said at the beginning of this segment, every bet that I've hit on DraftKings, the only bet that has been consistently hitting is the Edmonton Oilers overs. If I take Connor McDavid to score, if I take Leon Dreisaitl to score, usually it hits because usually they both put the puck in the back of the net and usually the Edmonton Oilers, and whoever they're playing, it doesn't really matter if they're playing a team that doesn't score many goals. The game goes over, over the total. Now, 20 points in nine games is a ridiculous pace. So ridiculous, in fact, that he is the first player to do it in the NHL since Mario Lemieux in the early 2000s. Yeah. We're starting to get on those types of paces now for Dreisaitl. And an even more shocking statistic for these guys. Obviously, 20 points in nine games is already shocking and ridiculous. 19 points in nine games is shocking and ridiculous. But... Leon Dreisaitl, with his 9 goals and 11 assists, is not as shocking as the fact that the Oilers' power play, 9 games into the season, is operating at 46.4%. If you take 2 penalties, you're guaranteed to give up 1 goal right now to the Oilers' power play. Guaranteed. Signed, sealed, delivered. Like, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 46.4% for the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid... Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman, Zach Cassian, whoever they put out there with the first two that I mentioned is going to produce. 
Shoot, we even saw Duncan Keith score a goal earlier this week. So, yeah. Leon Dreisel, number one star of the week. It's getting to the point where I have to ask the question, is this duo of Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid right now more dangerous than any other duo in NHL history? I'm going to have to take a deep dive into that. That might be an episode next week. Because off the top of my head, the next most dangerous duo in the salary cap era is Crosby and Malkin in the early 2000s, or 2010s, sorry. I don't feel like they were anywhere near this dangerous because I don't feel like, honestly, they weren't anywhere near this healthy. But, yeah, it's getting to the point where that has to be a question that you're starting to ask. Like, Lemieux Yager of the early 90s? Yeah, probably. But also, you look at the difference between the eras. If I go from salary cap era on, I would imagine it's definitely probably the most lethal. More lethal than Kane and Taves. Yeah, I would say so. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. For sure. The three stars of this week. Number three, Adam Fox of the Rangers. Number two, Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks. And number one, Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers. That's going to do it for the Hockey Hotbed for this week. The first week of November. If you missed it on Tuesday's episode, I did give my... Power Rankings 2.0 for the month of November, so go check that out. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next week. Have a good weekend, hockey fans.